0: Welcome to Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. I'm your co-host Erin Todd. I'm a writer and an intuitive eater. And I'm your co-host,
1: Charlie Castle, registered dietitian and exercise physiologist. We're here to help you discover whole health for your mind, body, and
0: soul. That's right, our goal is to embody scripture, ditch dieting, and live on purpose.
1: Woo! Woo,
0: yes girl. Welcome back to the Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast. Today our guest is Brittany Braswell. We are so excited to have her share on the topics of uncovering spiritual issues in our relationship with food and fighting against diet culture with scripture. Brittany is a registered dietitian and nutrition coach who helps women struggling with food and body image issues reduce their anxiety and disordered behaviors so they can confidently restore their health and ditch food rules forever. Before we jump into this conversation with Brittany, as a reminder for all of our podcast episodes, this program is for informational and educational purposes only, and it is not a substitute for individual medical or mental health advice. Our aim, as always, is to introduce you to the principles of intuitive eating and help you to see how those principles align with scripture so you can improve your relationship with food, your body, and God, and cast out dieting for good. Let's go take a listen to our conversation with Brittany. Okay, welcome, Brittany. We're so excited to have you here with us today. Hey,
2: thanks, Erin and Charlie. I'm super excited to be here with you guys.
0: Yeah. So um, I want to hear which came first, your food story or your God story. Take us back to the beginning.
2: Oh, gosh. Yeah. Um, I would say definitely the God story started first. I, um, I grew up in church. Um, I'm very fortunate to have two parents who love the Lord. Um, my dad is actually on, on staff with a church and has been, he's been in music ministry his whole life. So I say my whole life. (laughs) So, um, I, I grew up in that environment, loved it. Um, but something, you know, my faith wasn't really totally my own. It was kind of just, you know, you grow up learning what you're around and, and it was wonderful and it was healthy, but um, it never really became my own until I think I got to college. Um, and my freshman year, I came, into, I, I came into my freshman year in a relationship. Um, and, you know, it wasn't the healthiest. It wasn't the kind of relationship that like I just saw going forever or that just was you know, pointing me towards the Lord wasn't really helping me grow. Um, and so that in that that relationship kind of ended up ending um during my freshman year and shortly after I I got involved in a small group. And um I don't know what y'all's experiences have been or anybody listening, but small groups became like my saving grace in college that really helped me get involved with the Lord. And you always hear that like cliche of like show me your friends and I'll show you your future kind of thing. And when I look back at that, I'm like, thank God for, for the healthy environment that I was in with that. And so, um, that freshman year I got involved with a small group with some amazing mentors, um, that were also college students, but a few years older. And I met like my lifetime best friends met my husband in that same small group. Um, not looking for a relationship cause I had just gotten out of one, but, um, but he and I dated for, two years or so. I mean, we were, well, let's see, we knew each other for about two years before we ever started dating, just we're really good friends. And, um, those mentors and those friends in that small group really helped, um, just point me closer to the Lord and get, get around conversation and around people that were already healthier, that were growing, that were going through the same struggles as we are, you know, as I was in, a, in that time. Um, so it's so nice to have that connection. I think that's something that's so important is to know, like, you're not alone. I think that's such a huge lie of the enemy is like, nobody's going through the same thing you are. Uh-huh. And so in that phase of life, especially where you're like on your own for the first time, you don't know what's going on. Um, that was really when God got a hold of me and he said like, you need to be out of this relationship. You need to be in these. Um, uh-huh. and so it went from, you know, just very lukewarm to I'm super passionate and excited about growing with the Lord and really, learning more, not just about who he is, but experiencing him really for the first time. Um, so fast forward, um, my husband and I, my now husband and I um, got married a year and a half or so, two years out of college. And um, we we moved around a little bit with his job. He had a job that, that moved us around in um, like building construct like, uh, hospitals and commercial healthcare. And so we were moving around a little bit and we got an opportunity to help with our church plant, um, in a different city. And then we ended up moving. We were in Texas for a little while and moved back to Alabama. And it was, I think my, my relationship with the Lord took An extra step when I got back to Alabama because we got involved in um a a different small group with our with our same church, a different location of our same church. And um I really it was in that environment that I got a lot of freedom from things that I didn't really even realize had a hold on me. Um and I think that sort of led me, that was kind of the precursor into leading me into my food story because I got rid of a lot of guilt, a lot of shame, a lot of negative. not just negative beliefs, but negative talk, negative speech. Um, and I think that is like, I learned what the power of prayer is really like. And so we wrapped up that small group. I feel like my testimony is all in small groups, but,
0: (laughs) but, um, that's really telling that's (laughs) together.
2: (laughs) It does. And, and I think I experienced, I think that was kind of my first, um, like really experience with, just such a super healthy environment. Those is that kind of setting. And so um, just a little bit fast forward after that, um, the next year, my husband and I had been married for maybe three, four years at this point. And we were really wanting to start a family and um, had been trying for almost a year. I don't know if I've ever talked about this with too many people before. So I'm excited to share this with you guys. Um, very personal story for me, but we had been trying for almost a year, um, to start a family and just nothing was happening one. I don't know if it was some of my health at the time, or if maybe my eating habits were contributing to it as well, maybe not being well-nourished enough. And, um, and so anyway, enter a small group again. Um, and I had been praying, you know, we had been both believe in my husband is a very strong believer, which I love and respect so much. And um, and um, so we got involved in this same church, same same type of small group. And the first night, like I'm with an all new group of ladies. And I like, they, they go around saying, you know, what can we pray for you about, you know, throughout the semester? And I just like break down crying. <laughs> and I'm, y'all, I'm not a crier. I don't <laughs> love to cry. It doesn't make me feel good afterwards. It's totally fine, but it's just not, Typical for me to do that. And the Lord was just like, You just got to, you just got to get real with this, with these people real fast. <laughs> so, um, so I told them, I was like, I, I want a baby. Like, I want to be a mom. I've been doing the career thing for a little while. I love it, but I'm ready for this next thing. So, y'all, that, that first night, those ladies laid their hands on me, prayed for me. Like, the power of the Lord was in that room. That was where I really I had learned about the power of prayer, but that was really where I experienced it. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like, you can just, feel the presence of the Lord with you. And, um, so anyway, the last week, these are small groups kind of run in like 12, 13 weeks, kind of like a semester. And that last night of small group, um, I got to bring my sonogram to share with the ladies and, uh, of, of my son. And it was such a God thing because when we went for our appointment for our first sonogram where they like verified everything, they we were expecting my son to be like two weeks further along based on just the calendar and all of these. And so we got there and they dated his conception date back to small group night. And we were like, that's, that's impossible. That's, that's not right with the calendar. It was crazy. And so they were like, well, that's, I mean, that's his like, you know, gestational, you know, kind of age of conception. And so it was just this major, like that's been my biggest miracle. And that was really Uh where, I was just like, God, you are, like, you are a God of miracles. There's no reason, like, if I had any doubt before, I don't now. Mm-hmm. Um, And so that's been my, like, that's just been one of my driving forces to know that, like, there's so much more to knowing the, like, you can have knowledge of something and not know it. It's like, you can know how yes. to ride a bike. Like, you can know you got to sit up straight, you got to pedal, you got to do all these things. But until you get on the bike and you experience it, it's a whole different, like once you know how to ride a bike you can explain it to somebody more than just hey here's step 1 step 2 step 3 mm-hmm. right and so that's where i experience the lord and that's what i'm excited to that's that's the kind of things i like to share with my clients like that how to experience the lord rather than just have that head knowledge if that makes sense
0: yeah no that totally makes sense i've yeah. had, there's such a difference between the different types of learning i mean you can mm-hmm. learn something by reading about it or studying it and then it's mm-hmm. completely different when you experience it i totally totally agree experiential learning takes you like one level one level deeper for sure yes
2: yes i, love that. I think that really
0: applies and that's um, i'm sure we'll get into this more I don't want to jump ahead out of your story. I want to hear and go back to one thing you said. But experiential learning is kind of, I think, the sticking point that you're probably bumping up against teaching um, intuitive eating and teaching women to heal their relationships with food and body because some things, you know, I can tell you all day long, but you've got to get in there, in your kitchen, uh, in your backyard, wherever it is that you're moving and eating and interacting with food and body Mm -hmm. and experience it for yourself. And there's no substitute for... um, you know that firsthand experience, I think that's really t- tough to, to tell somebody, yeah, but uh,
2: it is, and it's getting it's taking it. that
0: first, yes, it's
2: taking that first step because like fear tends to be such a huge barrier. Like, well, what if I actually do take this step and it doesn't turn out like I think I'm like I think it's going to, and yeah. so, um, so that's something that becomes a major theme of. Uh, A lot of my conversations on a weekly basis.
0: Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. I want to go back before, um, before we continue on here with uh, diving into more of your, your story. You said something that grabbed me about one of the earlier small groups, and it was (laughs) that you experienced freedom from things that you didn't even know how to hold on you. And I Mm -hmm. think um, I want to hear more about that.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so this curriculum that we go through is really about like, dealing with things that, that maybe are keeping you sort of in bondage, um, that maybe are keeping you from really hearing from the Lord and being able to really live and walk with the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. Because that's one of those other things that like, I think I grew up and I I knew, I knew the Holy Spirit, like I knew who he was, but it wasn't, I wasn't walking with him. It was again, more the head knowledge versus the I'm experiencing. This is my day to day. I'm communing with him all the time. Um, and so it was really about, getting involved in who, who is the Holy spirit and how can you walk with him on a daily basis? And what is it that's keeping you from doing that? And so there were, (laughs) there were things that, that we like that would come up each week that were like forgiveness. And I was like, I know what forgiveness is. Like, I can say, I forgive you. Maybe I don't like to do it, but so we were talking about forgiveness one week and our, um, our small group leaders were going through just like here's what forgiveness is. Here's what forgiveness isn't. And of course I'm thinking like, I'm a church girl. I know this, like, I know what it is. I know what it isn't, but it hit, but the the Holy Spirit hit me and he was like, you need to check yourself because there's some things you haven't forgiven. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think forgiveness is one of those things that when you, when you don't forgive, it can for sure block you from hearing the Holy Spirit because you've got so much energy and focus on, you know, like holding, holding a grudge. I don't know if you guys have ever heard the, I, I feel like I talk with a lot of analogies to my clients. I probably tell you we we, we use all kinds of visual pictures. I'm a very visual learner. And so when I think about forgiveness or like withholding forgiveness, it's like setting yourself on fire and hoping this other person that you're holding this thing over dies of smoke inhalation. Like mm-hmm. you are causing mm-hmm. so much pain and suffering on yourself and energy that you could be focusing into living your life. Mm-hmm. And you're so worried about like, well, if I let this go, and forgiveness is not saying that something doesn't matter or invalidating what somebody has said or done to you or against you but when you when you let the lord deal with that and you take the burden off of yourself from being the one that's responsible for holding that over them it frees you to be able to now hear from the lord to move forward because you're not so focused on well i have to do this thing it's now i'm open to what do you want me to do and so that was a big thing for me um and then again just like the, the power that words have over you. I did not realize even just like little things, like I've, I've never been super degrading to myself, but there were things that I was speaking. I was not speaking life over myself on a regular basis. And I wasn't regularly declaring the Lord's truth. And it took, and I I think this is one thing that made me so passionate about people in the sense of like coming to freedom, because on a daily basis, I'm talking to people about, you've got to stop you've got to stop talking to yourself like that. You've got to stop putting down, you were a daughter of the Lord. Like he would never talk about about you that way. So don't talk about yourself that way. And there were things that I was saying on a, on a daily or weekly basis that I was being maybe overly critical of, or that I was just, you know, not confident in that. I had, I had to realize nobody, nobody, but the Lord has the authority to define my identity or my worth. Like It only comes from him. And so I had to take back that authority and give it back to the Lord and say, okay, regardless of what I think so-and-so, it was even my perception. Like if I was afraid somebody thought something negative about me, about the way I was dressed or maybe something I said or something I did or didn't do at work, um, that was something I had to, I had to give back to the Lord and say, okay, well, even if they don't like it, so what? In the grand Mm -hmm. scheme of things, they are not the ones that are determining My value. And so, so those were some of the things um, that I was just like, like, I had to have somebody else help me open my eyes to go, okay, search my heart and and know my ways, Lord. Like Mm -hmm. I I got some things that I've been not, not intentionally hiding, but just like not, not aware of. And so, so that was like, I, I think a big thing for me to, to open me up to really hearing from the Lord and not just, again, just reading the word and leaving it at that, but really being able to
1: start applying it more. I think a lot of the times it's, Mm -hmm. it's like you're not intentionally hiding these things, Mm -hmm. but it's like, they just seem normal because culture says, Oh, everybody does that. Mm So it's just like, Oh, this is just like a normal part of life. And you don't realize how much of the world that is and how much it's affecting you Mm -hmm. um, until the Holy Spirit kind of opens your eyes to it. Like, actually, no, (laughs) girls don't have to walk around hating their bodies or themselves Mm -hmm. or, you know, you don't have to worry so much about what this person thinks about you at work or whatever. I think it's, I don't think we intentionally like hide those things. I think it takes the Holy Spirit speaking to us for us to recognize, oh, this is not for me.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Satan's so sneaky that way because when, when we don't see that there's a problem, how are we going to fight it? Exactly. You know, like if if there is if there's something that is so normalized that it's like, that's not an issue. That's typical that we're not going to do anything to try to grow in that area. And so I think that's, that's something huge to bring that awareness to that again, you know, especially within the realm of disordered eating and trying to come into intuitive eating. Like if you don't see the way you're doing, like that, what you're doing is harmful to yourself in some way, whether it's your body, your mind, your spirit, your emotions, then you don't see any need to change. And so, um, yeah, so that was that was a big thing for me. And that's something I'm I'm definitely very passionate about is being able to lovingly say, like, hey, do you see how this thing might be affecting you right now? Or can you imagine if this thing is gone, what would be different? Um, and it's like, oh, gosh, yeah, you know, just like you said, Charlie, like, oh, I don't have to, I don't have to be critical of my body. Oh, I don't, you know, I don't have to think these things about myself too. I thought everybody else thought them. So it's just easier for me to think them too. So yeah, for sure.
0: Yeah. It's like, if the Holy Spirit isn't giving you that, like voices around you could give it to you too. And it's like, if we're just going around in our little bubble, doing our same little patterns we always do, there's nothing internally that's going to disrupt that. And I think that's kind of the trap that the enemy has us in, in that cyclical little you know, our habits, our bad patterns, speaking lies over ourselves, believing them, internalizing all that, unless you get something from the outside in to disrupt that, um, it's just going to continue. So, um, I think it's really powerful and difficult to be able to speak that truth to somebody who maybe has never heard it before. And, mm-hmm. um, what, <laughs> what, what is challenging about that? Like, where do you meet resistance in that and working with, with women, Brittany? I'd love, I'd love to hear about, about that and more about what you do with women helping them heal.
2: Yeah. I think that, um, I think one of just the biggest starting points is you don't know what you don't know until you know it. And when, when you come to know something new, it's uncomfortable, right? The familiar is comfortable, like whether it's healthy or whether it's whether it's, you know, what you need is irrelevant sometimes, or it feels that way. Um, it's just, I, I want to be uncomfortable. I like what's familiar. I like what I, what I know. I like what's predictable. Um, and so when we're trying to, to work through and figure out, okay, what are these things that are keeping you trapped? Um, one of my favorite questions that I get asked on a regular basis when I'm doing like initial calls with people or like we'll be in the middle of a session and they're like, well, what really does faith have to do with my eating like eating disorder recovery and I'm like yes okay let's talk about this because everything (laughs) (laughs) this plays into everything right like the the four areas of health that I I tend to focus on the most most um, I'm gonna trip over my words now is um physical mental emotional and spiritual and every one affects the other and so we look at okay, well, you know, my clients say, well, can you give me an example of what that looks like? Okay, well, sure. If if your physical health is the most important thing, and you don't have, you know, your spiritual health, is if that's what you're you're aiming to grow, that's going to overflow in a positive way to the other areas. But let's say I'm focused on just my physical health, right? 99% of people, I feel like that I say, hey, can you tell me what healthy means are going to give me physical attributes or physical characteristics or physical habits, related habits. Um, And those aren't bad things, but in and of themselves, they don't tell the whole story. So if they say, well, you know, um, I'm, I want to make sure I eat clean and, you know, that's super important for being healthy. Like, what does that have to do with, with, you know, my faith or, or my relationship with the Lord? I'm like, okay, well, there's nothing wrong per se with, eating foods that you feel like are, are whole foods or that, you know, are things that you grew or that somebody else grew, like those foods are fine. But if that becomes a little G God in your life, right, that is where the priorities start getting mixed up. And our God is a loving God, but he's also a jealous God. Like he is the only one. And, and he, He wants the best things for us. And so he knows that us idolizing and prioritizing our physical health and making, you know, saying, okay, well, I've got to have all this organic something, or it's got to be all non GMO or there can't be any added anything. um, If that becomes more important then your spiritual health declines. And so the opposite of that would be, okay, if I'm focusing on my spiritual health, that might mean regularly asking the Holy spirit, what do you want me to do about this? doesn't have to just be big decisions. We have a, my husband and I have a, a friend and mentor that, um, he asked the Lord about everything. Like, like even in small group, like before he got up to, to dismiss himself to like go to the restroom or get somebody a drink, he would like ask the Lord, like, okay, is now the best time to go. Right. Because you might miss an opportunity to, to serve somebody or to hear a word from the Lord that you would have missed. Right. And so it sounds maybe like a little bit silly or excessive, but in scripture, Jesus talks about how he asked the Lord before he did anything. He asked the father before he did absolutely anything. And so being able to say, okay, God, what, when I'm getting ready to go to the grocery store today, what are, what do you want me to do? Do you want me to go to this store? Do you want me to go to this store? Um, when I'm in there, will you just help me be aware of you and help me to, to choose things that are going to, satisfy my taste buds that, um, are going to nourish my body well, and that are not going to be a distraction with, you know, with communicating with somebody else. Right. If you're so focused on your grocery list and getting the perfect things or looking at, you know, eight different labels of cereal or oatmeal or whatever, you might miss an opportunity for somebody to, you know, somebody walking by that you could just say hello and put a smile on their face. Right. Um, so it can be little things. Um, does that make sense?
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. yeah. Yeah, it's really so, convicting asking God about everything. I'm just like, whoo. <laughs> Felt that one. That.
2: <laughs> that is not not something I have uh yet achieved, but it is something I try to regularly remind myself, right? Like there's not there's no perfect perfect like result. Like you're nobody has perfect days. Nobody I have I have two small children in my house, and so some days it's just about Let's just survive. Let's just be sure. in like survival mom mode. And God, you need to help me with that today. And that's my prayer. Like, help me to be gentle mm-hmm. with my family. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it is, it, I think it's, um, it's really easy to to try to make your spiritual life one of those things that that you focus on perfectionism. Like, if I can't do it right,
0: mm-hmm. then what's
2: the point? Yeah. Um, and I think it's just so important to just to strive right? Like the Lord does not expect perfection of us. He just wants us to be near him. And so the more we draw near to him, you know, he's there to draw near to us. Um, So I think that's just an important concept or like principle to remember is he just wants me to be close to him. He doesn't expect perfection. And so there's no way I should expect perfection of myself either.
1: Yeah. I so often find myself going, Oh Lord, I did it again. Like I got excited about that thing. And I said, yes. And now I'm asking you to bless it. I didn't even ask you if I should do it. (laughs) Like I find myself with that all the time and like, okay, I skipped a step here. And so if this is not for me, like, that's okay. Take it away. Like, let's work on this. So um, I think we're, I always think of like the GPS, it's it's telling you like the path to go right but like i get off the freeway to get gas and it's like make a u turn make a u turn make a u turn <laughs> like what are you doing over here getting this gas you're not following the path um and it it reroutes us and pulls us back to the path and you know god does that too he doesn't just say like Okay, you messed up. like we're done. He's constantly saying, "Make a u-turn, make a u-turn, <laughs> make a u- turn. Like I'm gonna bring you back to the to the path. So he doesn't expect perfection from us. And, you know, when we go off the path, he is there saying, Come on, come this way, come on, come this way. And all it takes is us recognizing it.
2: Yes. Love that. Yeah. I, and I think he does it in so many unique ways. And um, if we're so set on what our way is, mm-hmm. he's oftentimes got something so much better. Or like if we go off the path and that guilt or shame comes, I'm like, oh gosh, I, I know I did something I shouldn't have done. Right. I feel like I talk about the word should so many, so often yeah. so that could be a whole nother episode. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but knowing that like, OK, if you if you ask the Holy Spirit, even after you've gone off the path, right, like, OK, well, what's the best way to go to get back on it? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It's not like the Lord just says, oh, sorry, you're cut off. You took a left. You're supposed to take a right. You're done. Good luck. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to always, always guide you back as long as you're open to to hearing, hearing yeah. what the directions are. Yes.
0: I'm curious, Brittany, what like what are your personal practices in staying close to the Lord and staying in tune with the Holy Spirit. Like, how do you, um, (laughs) it's a big question. It's different for everybody. How do you discern (laughs) who you're hearing from? And like, what advice would you give to somebody who maybe doesn't have that continual communication open? Because it's, I mean. I got to go from thinking only about myself to asking the Holy Spirit for every decision. And it, that, that is a big um, mm-hmm. kind of overwhelming paradigm shift in how we operate as humans on this earth. But like, what do, what do you do that allows you to get close to that? And what advice would you give to somebody that wants to try that?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um Well, I will. I'll be the first to say this is not a perfect practice for me. Um, But I think one of the things um, that I hear people get tripped up a lot on is praying and feeling like you know prayer has got to be this perfect holier like holy experience, which you know it provides that opportunity. But I think what's really helpful for me first is worship because um, I am. I love to talk, but I will oftentimes (laughs) get tongue tied, and I'm like, I know I need something, but like I've said it and I don't want to just keep repeating myself or um or like I know I need something today, but I just don't even know how to put it in words. And so oftentimes just turning on some worship music that I know is focused, that is a, a vertical type song versus a horizontal that's like focused mm-hmm. on me and my relationship with God. Um, or not me, like to take me out of the equation, just focused on God and who He is to me and for me. Um, I think worship just opens opens up the gate to the presence of the Lord um, and it makes it easier to, to really just come into his presence and talk to him. And uh, I think that's one of the things I love about worship too, is that somebody else wrote the the words and I can always find a song that I'm like, yes, this resonates with me today. This is what I'm feeling. I don't even have to think about it. I can just sing it as, as my prayer. Um, So I love worship. Um, I really enjoy to um, like the the word, like the scripture is amazing and we need to be in it, but it is definitely not something that, um, that I have as much consistency with as I would really love to. Um, partly because I still have like two children under the age of four. And so sometimes when my alarm goes off in the morning, like sometimes they beat me to my alarm. I don't always have like a morning quiet time or like a load time. So my time in the car is oftentimes when I get the most time on my own and I can't be you know, having something out reading. So sometimes I will pull the Bible app up and just let it read scripture to me. Um, and that is just a super practical way for me being in the car, um, to get some of the word without feeling like I have to have this perfect, like sit down with your coffee and your beautiful journal and your pen. Like, that's great if you want to do that, but there's more than one way to spend time with God. And so letting it read, letting the Bible app, read it to me or listening to an audio devotion, um, I will sometimes listen to just podcasts um, that, that dive in to the word or that give me um, like a little bit of an experience. I'm not a theologian, so <laughs> I like to hear people teach on on scripture and kind of give me some context. Um, so those are a couple of ways that I do it. And then I think having, having a mentor or having somebody that you can at least – like, um, talk through things with to say, Hey, I feel like I heard the Lord kind of tell me this, or I'm feeling like this. Um, it can be really helpful to have some healthy perspective. If you have somebody in your life that you're, you're open to them speaking into your life. And sometimes that mean that might mean like calling you out or saying, Hey, Brittany, I don't think that really aligns with scripture. Like you're saying you heard this, right? Like you're, (laughs) if if I woke up one day and said, like, I think the Lord told me, I just need to, I, I just need to like divorce my husband, and there was no, like, like if that was just a random thing and I went to a, a friend or mentor or something and they were like, mm, I'm pretty sure that doesn't really align with the mm-hmm. way things have been going. And scripture, like scripture doesn't really encourage that, you know, except under, you know, a couple of circumstances, but, but it, like having some healthy, healthy perspective from somebody else can really be, um, a big a big benefit. It's, it is for me just to know that like, I need to get my thoughts out, but maybe I need an extra little bit of a filter, um, to, to run through somebody else. So that's a couple of ways.
0: Yeah. I love all of those. And I think, um, that's really encouraging too, because uh, so many of us feel like we're not measuring up on like how we're connecting with God. <laughs> that just, that is a roadblock to like anything else going on. So it's like, doesn't have to be perfect I completely echo that it looks different for you in this season as it probably did a couple Mm -hmm. years ago and will in the future and I just think um, normalizing that is really important and Mm -hmm. um, you connect with God how you connect with God and Mm -hmm. I think that's meant to be personal but I also love the getting kind of connecting with God through connecting with other people because that's really important. Mm -hmm. And, like, the mentorship or healthy perspectives coming from other people, like, what if you're the other person? Like, what if God is asking you to speak into somebody's life? It works both ways. And I think, um, you know, like we were talking about before, sometimes the Holy Spirit doesn't give us that download of information directly and He's speaking through somebody else. So how important it is to have um, people in our life that can point us to the Lord. And if you have one of those people— Give them a hug or a text or a prayer today and let them know you're thankful for them. What a gift yes. that is! Yes. The Intuitive Eating for Christian Women podcast just celebrated its one year mark of serving the Lord on September 9th, 2021. What a year, what a ride this has been. We want to thank you for being a part of this journey with us and to celebrate the milestone, We've been revisiting our revival mission and reflecting on what the Lord has done in this first year, and now we want to invite you, our sisterhood community, to celebrate with us. It doesn't matter if you are new to the podcast. It doesn't matter if you've been with us along the whole ride. We want everybody to get involved this reflection process so we've created a special free worksheet called remember reflect and rejoice to commemorate the milestone you can get it for free and download it it will be linked in the show notes it's at the intuitive eating for website on the post the podcast turns one don't miss this opportunity to take time and look back on what the lord has been doing in your life and in your relationship with food and body and you can do this as a personal exercise with you and the lord but sister we would love it so much if you shared your testimony Take this opportunity to join us in this revival movement and tell the world what Jesus is doing in your life. Share it with somebody who needs to hear it, how his grace is impacting your relationship with food, body, and your purpose. You don't even have to mention this podcast, but if you want to share about the podcast, we've got lots of easy ways for you to do that. You can leave us a testimonial that we could feature online and that will be linked on the blog post as well. You could go over to Apple Podcasts and leave us a star rating or review. You could share about it on your social media account and tag us so we can celebrate with you or just like email a friend, a link to your favorite episode and invite her to listen with you or invite a friend over to our private community and get in on all of this accountability and support and sisterhood that is just growing over there. It's such a beautiful place we don't want you guys to miss out on this revival reflection opportunity and we need your help sister so please pray about who you can invite pray about what testimony you can share with the world right now you don't need a radical transformation or some shocking testimony to be able to share about what jesus is doing in your life The Lord deserves praise and glory for anything He is working in you right now, whether the results are big or small or in between. And you know, women, that we will never get to meet. Your sphere of influence touches people far outside of our circle. And we are praying right now that the Lord will use your words to carry this message of revival out to the world beyond our reach. It is time to let this celebration within our community overflow and spill out into the lives of others. And this is where we're shifting from improving our own relationship with food, body, and God and leading others to improve theirs. Will you help us? I hope you will. All right, now let's jump back into our conversation with Brittany Braswell.
1: Okay, so I am like dying here to know your food story. You <laughs> went to school to become a dietitian. What's that uh, about?
2: Yeah, so I um I think I always from an early age wanted to be in healthcare. I had a, a friend who uh fell off a horse and broke her arm, so I was like I want to be the doctor, you know, that fixes that. Um so I started off in school with like kind of the the pre-med sort of biological sciences kind of degree and I quickly realized like This doesn't feel very like I don't feel like I'm really connecting to it. And I don't know that this career would connect me to people as much as I want it to, Um, because I'm I have people ask me, like, did you become a dietitian? Because you're just really passionate about food. I'm like, no, (laughs) I'm really (laughs) passionate about people. I'm really passionate about relationships and food is a medium in order to do that because you you relate to food every single day. So um, so I got my nutrition degree. Um, I ended up, you know, switching and graduated with a degree in in nutrition dietetics and then went on to grad school and I was convinced that I wanted to go into sports nutrition. Um, I had interviewed our, our collegiate dietitian, um, who is phenomenal and works with NFL, um, teams now. And I was like, this sounds so interesting. And so when I was in grad school, I, I did an internship. Um, I say an internship. Yeah. I, I, I interned with a sports dietitian at my, um, at the, the graduate level and she worked with the football team and, um, got to, I got to work with some really amazing players that are in the NFL now, just kind of like some random fun facts, but, but I just realized like, this isn't, I don't think this is really what I want to do. Like, I felt like the Lord's pulling me in another direction. So when I was there, I, my, full intent in grad school was to focus on sports nutrition. And then as the Lord would have it, (laughs) the professor who was the sports nutrition person that I was hoping to do my graduate assistantship with, um, didn't find out until like two weeks before I started grad school that, um, that she took a job at another university. So I was like, okay, well, I still have my graduate assistantship where, who am I going to be with? Um, And it was such a huge blessing. I was with the intern, the dietetic internship director, who is amazing, loves the Lord. um, And I love working with students like that's something I have two students that work with me right now, and I just love mentoring and pouring into them. And so in that process of, um, you know, kind of changing who I was working with, I thought, well, I'm still going to fight this a little bit. I'm just going to make all of the projects and papers and things I do directed towards sports nutrition. So (laughs) I ended up taking an eating disorder class. um, And I had worked with, I had, I took a little bit of time in between undergrad and grad school um, to work. And I worked in a hospital setting. And one of the units I covered was, um, was like the the child and adolescent behavioral health unit. So I got to work with a lot of children and adolescents with disordered eating and it broke my heart. And I was like, there's so many things that I have learned and that I'm continuing to learn about freedom, you know, and bringing, bringing light to this. And so I finally, while now when I was in that eating disorder class, the Lord was like, you need to stop focusing on sports nutrition. <laughs> um, Cause I had been writing a paper or doing a project on like the aesthetic sports, like things like, um, dance, gymnastics, swimming, where there's a lot of subjectivity in the scoring on, on body related movements and things like that. And the Lord was like, this is, I I made you interested in sports nutrition. So you would see this aspect of it. And this is where I want you to focus. So, um, so I came out of grad school, had an amazing opportunity. Once we (laughs) moved again from Texas back to Alabama, um, to, to work at a, a treatment center for, um, residential and PHP level women with disordered eating and eating disorders, and um, got some amazing experience. The Lord just really grew my grew my desire and passion to to serve those women, but I saw that there was just there was such a lack of providers. In that area, I was constantly looking for people for my clients to follow up with when they dis- when they discharged. And so many areas don't have um, teams; they don't have you know dietitians and therapists and people that are trained in how to help treat eating disorders, let alone faith based providers. And so when I went on maternity leave for the second time with my daughter, I came back and the Lord was like, "This is not where I want you. Like you, I wanted you here for this season, but I need you to start pouring my light into them, not just." helping them start eating again or stop stop using certain you know compulsive or compensatory behaviors. Like there's more to it than that. Um, so that was that was really where I got a chance to take my nutritional knowledge and then the Lord saying like you have this passion for people, now bring me to them um, mm-hmm. and do it all in this one setting. And so this has kind of become my job is like my <laughs> it's like ministry and career all in one and I get paid to do it and it's fun. And there are hard days. Like I, I love it. Um, but there's, there's been things like when I was in those small groups that I realized, you know, there's those areas that I didn't have freedom from, I was now going to be able to bring to, to other people and be able, like, it just really opened my eyes to, I was even referring as a dietitian and y'all probably know this, like we're not really trained in a lot of the the disordered eating and intuitive eating kind of areas. And so I was referring to things before I got into the eating disorder field. on like, these are the healthy foods. These are the unhealthy foods. Um, these are the ones you need. And these are the ones you don't need. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, even when we were in our internship, I was in, you know, cardiac, cardiac rooms for patients going, yeah. do this, don't do this. Very much just like, <laughs> like not demanding, but you're telling them what to do versus mm-hmm. helping them figure out what they can do to make, to make changes that, you know, so they don't just get a lecture for five minutes from a dietitian. And I think that's why so many people think the dietitian is the food police because they're just going to tell you what to do. Um, And so I love having the opportunity now to work with women to, to not be the food police and to be able to show them like, you can do this on your own. Like, you don't need me to tell you what to do. I'll help you fill in the gaps between Mm -hmm. where you feel like you want to be or where you feel like you need to be and where you are. But, We're going to uncover the blinders along the way.
1: Yeah, that's my next question was going to be: so, when did you encounter intuitive eating? When did you start learning about that?
2: I think it really wasn't until I I, was—I think I got exposed to it in my my eating disorder class, but it wasn't really until I was like—I'm going to call it like in the trenches every day. Mm -hmm. Like I saw these women at the treatment center I worked at Monday to Friday, and sometimes on the weekends. Mm -hmm. Um, And it wasn't really until then that. I started discovering more. I'm like, wow, maybe some of the ways I've been teaching have not been as mm-hmm. as life-giving and effective as they need to be. And so it really prompted me just to want to serve them better. And so it gave me a chance to educate myself and to really start, like, I was practicing it already somewhat unknowingly with some things, but then there were other principles that I was like, this is this is necessary and this is needed, especially in this area. So um, I would say probably it wasn't really until the last four or five years that, um, that I really dug into it and saw not just the research behind it, but the practical application and the ministry opportunities that come with people growing in their relationship with the Lord as they repair their relationship with their body and with food.
1: Yeah. So what was your relationship with food like? How did learning, how did studying dietetics and then learning intuitive eating how did this kind of change or mold your relationship with food
2: well I think studying it I've always loved um food and cooking and all that but I think studying nutrition even though it equipped me with the knowledge it also sort of brought out that um nutrition informant sort Mm -hmm. of voice on like okay here's like it needs to be like very black and white kind of like this is right this is wrong and so um I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I've had like a a major disagreement with food or like, Mm -hmm. I always saw food as like, this is bad, but it was like, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it was, it, I noticed a lot more peace in my own heart when I started going, okay, well, like it doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be this way or that way. It can be both. And I can rely more instead of relying so much on knowledge or what's in a food Mm -hmm if I can focus on listening to my body and how does food make me feel physically and emotionally? Um, How do I feel five minutes after I eat or an hour? Like, am I more lethargic or am I, oh, you know, am I more alert? Um, When I move my body, am I doing it because I enjoy it and it feels good and I know how it affects my day and my mental state or am I doing it out of you know, obligation, because it's something I feel like I should do or I have to do because I'm a dietitian and that's what's right. Um, and so it's it definitely changed the the obligatory mindset with food and with movement um, and definitely made it so much more fun and enjoyable and easier to talk about with with my clients as well and make it easier for them to apply.
0: Yeah,
1: for sure. For
0: sure. I love something you said earlier. I want to go back to it, Brittany. um, Kind of when the Lord was pressing on you to bring faith into your work, people saying there's more to it than that, talking about whatever their problem is, their behavior, their compulsive or compensatory behavior, whatever that was. It's like, there's more going on here. Mm -hmm. Can you talk about um, some of the spiritual issues that you see get uncovered uh, as you're working with women and, and healing their relationships with, with food and disordered eating? Yeah,
2: yeah, for sure. Um, I think what it comes down to a lot of times for so many women is that same aspect of worth and value. And like I find my identity and I find my worth in doing something not that's just comfortable that, but maybe that they just feel like they're really good at and they have a really good, you know, handle or control on everything is sort of crazy. And, you know, the last year and a half especially has been a little crazier than we, we all maybe anticipated. Um, but to be able to, to sort of strip back like, okay, here are these behaviors that you've been engaging in. Here's been your thought process around it. But if that wasn't there, how would you be coping with the same struggles that you're experiencing? Because most of them, uh, a lot of the clients that I've worked with don't, like I said before, like they don't always see what they're doing as dangerous or even as a problem. And so when you get to kind of under (laughs) the roots underneath all of it to be able to see like, what are what is this behavior resulting from? Like, what purpose is it serving? What need is it meeting? That's such a huge focus for me with my clients because you cannot just tell somebody, just just eat more, just stop restricting or just stop over-exercising or whatever it might be because it's meeting a need and it's serving a purpose, right? The behavior in and of itself might not be the healthiest for you, but you're using it to cope and it's serving a purpose. And so one of the things that I really like to focus on with my clients before we even try to start putting, putting in major changes to reducing, restricting and incorporating more things and getting back on a, on a more consistent meal pattern or movement pattern is let's make sure that need doesn't go unmet. Because if it, if we just stop restricting that, whatever that, whatever need it was fulfilling is going to be met in another way. And it's probably going to be another unhealthy way. So you might have six different people that all struggle with you know, severe stress and anxiety or low self-worth. And for one person, it might show up as an eating disorder. For somebody else, it might show up as an unhealthy relationship. For somebody else, it might show up as substance abuse. And so it all comes back to, we got to still have the need fulfilled. And oftentimes there's a, there's a spiritual gap there. Like There's a need that the Lord wants to fulfill for you that maybe you have been relying on other people to do it. And because people are imperfect, you've been let down. Or you've been hurt and you feel like, well, there's nothing that can sort of close that gap now or, or fulfill that for me. And so when we can uncover what those needs are, um, it allows us to bring the Lord into the process and rely on him in practical ways. And, you know, mindset ways um, to really focus on, let me go to the Lord as the first response and not the last resort, <laughs> Um, and bring him into the process so um, that's one thing I love about incorporating and not even just incorporating like I think this whole process is spiritual warfare like fighting disorder eating and so really being able to go to battle with weapons that you actually need versus tools that might just you know serve you serve a purpose for a short amount of time but not really help you win the war um, if that makes sense so that's that's really what I love to into
0: Mm, yeah, I love that analogy. the we de- we definitely talk about diet culture sp- spiritual warfare here mm-hmm. all the time. that's um, that's how I experienced it. and um, <laughs> it's like, are you armed with something that is just making this war last longer? <laughs> or do you have a weapon? That. Uh, like that's that's what came <laughs> came through for me when you were describing it that way. so what uh, what weapons do uh, do we have available to us to fight to fight this spiritual oh, warfare? God. Such a good
2: question. Um, so I think one of the, one of the biggest things is just scripture. Like I say, just is, is knowing like when we speak all these, when I was even speaking all these like negative things, I could have been speaking spiritual truth. There are so many scriptures that go through and talk about your identity and how the Lord made you and the purposes that that he has plans and purposes for you. And so um, I, I think back to in scripture when anytime that, that Satan tried to tempt the Lord like Satan tried to tempt the Lord in the desert and he's you know his responses were it is written you know he spoke scripture and so if the Lord needs to speak scripture or chooses to speak scripture right then that's something that I I can model right i don't always know how to be exactly like the Lord right i don't always know what that striving looks like but i know i have a weapon that is meant to conquer you know the spiritual realm and so being able to to go through and I'm not, like I said, I'm not a biblical scholar. I don't have all scripture <laughs> memorized, but I know if I can go through and jot some things down that scripture says about who I am and about the purpose that I have and the purpose that he has for me, that that is inarguable, right? Mm-hmm. Like I might come up, affirmations are great, but if if I'm saying like, okay, I'm confident or I'm brave or I'm whatever, that might be something I I try to tell myself in the moment, but something else could argue against it to the enemy may come in and say, Well, what about this situation? You weren't brave then. Or what about this? You weren't, you weren't confident. But there's nothing that can argue scripture. You know, once you decide that it's truth and you you make that decision for yourself, um, I think that's the biggest weapon we have available. So the one caveat I will give to that is you've got to be careful. I've been learning this more lately about cherry-picking <laughs> scripture. You can't yeah. just like go to Google and say scripture about anxiety, and then just take a verse out of context. I think it's so important to make sure you're reading you know, maybe even just a good rule of thumb is like 10 verses before 10 after, or, you know, something to, to help, you know, like, what is it referring to in that moment? Um, Cause you might find a verse that says something that you might take as feeling condemning in the moment. Right. But when you read it in context, the Lord is never going to um, put you down, right? Like he's going to encourage and build you up. You may have some times where you get some construction and you need to hear some feedback, but um, I think scripture is the main um, the main thing for me that, that I know will not ever fail me.
0: Mm-hmm. Amen. I totally agree with that. And the context point, um, I resisted that for a really long time. Confession. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think verses would fall into my lap <laughs> and I'd be like, let me just hold on to this one for a while. And only until I actually got into truly studying and understanding, um, you know, where this fits in the whole Bible, not just in the particular book it was in or anything like that, you get so much more meaning out of it. So let me just encourage whoever is listening that might resist (laughs) the daunting uh, challenge of really studying and really digging in to try and understand Mm -hmm. it. You will get a benefit from that Mm -hmm. beyond um, what you can imagine. And Yes. when you have like deep layers of meaning to that verse when you pull it out as a weapon it is that much more powerful
2: mm-hmm. for sure yeah that's um that's something like i said that even if it's just one one scripture a day or one like short passage um it can be so helpful and and then taking it and asking the lord like maybe even before you go to read say lord make this come alive to me when I read today, like help it to not just be words on a page, but speak it to me and help me to apply it and help me to understand it because scripture is God breathes, Right. But it doesn't always feel easy to understand. So when you ask him that before you go into it and say, okay, open my eyes to what you want me to get from this today, it becomes a lot more real and applicable. And you're looking for ways that he's trying to speak to you rather than just, okay, I read this now. What? Um, so I think that can be a really helpful, just short little technique. Um, to go into it and and get more out of it.
0: Yeah, totally agree. It's amazing, right? Like it's kind of, (laughs) it's kind of amazing that we have this weapon available that is Mm -hmm. so effective. Yes. So good. Yes. Hmm. I love it. Okay. So do you have a couple that you are personally clinging to right now? Any verses that have just been, um, speaking to you lately uh that you'd like to share. It's okay if you don't. I'm just sometimes I glom onto a verse like I was (laughs) talking about and I'm like, this is the one for this month.
2: (laughs) Yeah. Um I think I have been really focused on um fear lately. I think 2020 has been such um a crazy year and now being in 2021, there's still so much there's still so much fear in our culture around sickness and um, you know, just disease and safety. And so many people are isolated and uh, because of fear. Um, and so I love um, in First John where it says there's no fear in love. Perfect love casts out fear, drives out fear because um, fear has to do with punishment. And the one who fears is not made perfect in love. And so that's First John 4, um, 18. And, uh, and I love, I love that, I forget where it is, the scripture, it it talks over and over about how God is love, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's no fear in love. So there's no fear in God. Like God is there to, to protect you and to, to give you that direction. And when you rest under his covering, um, that's the safest place you can be. And so I think focusing, I think that verse stands out and not being under, um, oh, and I can't, I can't tell you where it's found, but not, not being under a spirit of fear. Um, I think there's, there's definitely something like fear in and of itself, isn't a bad thing. Um, like it serves a purpose. I don't know if, I don't know if anyone has seen the movie inside out. Um, but you've got this little, this little character that is fear. He's like the fear emotion and he keeps Riley safe and Riley's this little girl that, you know, he lives inside of. He's, he's Riley's, one of Riley's emotions. And so, you know, he keeps her safe. He keeps her from, you know like running out in the road or tripping over something or stepping on something sharp, right? Fear can serve a purpose. it's It's a good thing, but we don't need to live under constant chronic fear. and I think that's where anxiety comes up, and that's where um, that's what ends up feeling kind of paralyzing, right? Mm-hmm. And so yeah. being able to go through and find scriptures on how what are some ways I can combat fear? Um, and how do I know that you know I'm not meant to like uh, I haven't been given a spirit of fear. I've been given a the uh, power, love, and a sound mind. And so being able to remind yourself like, okay, I've already been given these things. I've just got to start believing it and walking in it that I, I have a sound mind. The Lord has that intended for me. I don't have to live under fear. Um, so I think that's been a big one for for me for the last several months and year and has been an, an encouragement for, for people that are clients that I work with that are kind of in a constant
0: state of fear or have been. Yeah, that's so timely for right now. I totally mm-hmm. agree. Yeah. Okay, Okay, Brittany, well, can you please share with our listeners where they can connect with you, where they can find you online, um, all, all of the uh, the handles, the websites, please <laughs> give it to us. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah. absolutely.
2: Um, the, the best place for you guys to kind of get in touch with me, um, especially if you want kind of just some extra resources. I try to always keep some free resources on my website because I know not everybody gets to work with um, with a dietitian or coach. Um, so you can go to BrittanyBraswellRD.com. Um, and if you want to get my my free ebook to really kind of help, it's actually called Faith Over Fear, and so there's it dives into the the ten principles of intuitive eating from a faith centered perspective um, to really just start helping you apply some of those while bringing the Lord into the process. So that's at BrittanyBraswellRD.com slash ebook, or you can just go to the homepage and, and find the link there. Um, or if you guys wanna connect with me in some conversation, you can always DM me through Instagram or Facebook at Brittany Braswell, Brittany RD on both.
0: Awesome. I just have to point out, Charlie's shirt says faith over fear today. Okay. <laughs> And oh, she, yes. when I, I saw need her that on the Zoom, I said, hey, I think I have that shirt. Awesome. <laughs> you have to send me a link for it. I need to get one. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. Okay. All right. You want to hit her with the uh, the fast questions? Yes. But we yeah. got to start with our classic question. So go ahead, Sharon. Yeah.
1: So we always have to ask coffee or tea, and how do you take it?
0: Mm. Okay.
2: I got mine right here. Coffee, <laughs> all, all the flavored creamers, um, I, we really <laughs> – we really love, I really love a uh, coconut cream flavored creamer. Mm-hmm. It just gives it that extra little something. So always coffee with cream. And if I don't have flavor creamer, i has got to have the sugar.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yum. yum, yum, yum. Okay. If you're going to have a peanut butter sandwich, is it just peanut butter? Is it peanut butter and jelly? Is it peanut butter and bananas, peanut butter and honey? Or this is even a thing, peanut butter and mayo?
2: Oh no, I cannot stand mayo. The smell of it. I don't know. I don't I don't love mayo. Um I'm gonna be I'm gonna be a little bit weird. I do love peanut butter and jelly. I also really like peanut butter and Nutella. And I like oh, to everybody. I like to grill them like a grilled cheese. Like I'll put a little bit of butter on the outside and grill it and it gets the peanut butter all like warm and gooey and it's amazing.
0: That is a great mm-hmm. idea. <laughs> <laughs> so gonna try that. I love it. Wow <laughs> oh, that's good.
1: Okay. Erin, were you a peanut butter and mayo person? Oh yeah. One side
0: of the bread had peanut butter. The other had mayo. I mean, if you don't like mayo, it's going to be no good. You're not the only
1: person though. I've heard this is like (laughs) a thing. This is a thing. Okay. Um, Hiking in the mountains or lounging on the beach?
2: You know, I'm a, I think I'm a beach girl. I lived at the beach for like 10 years. um, And that is like my, like, I love to just open a window or get out, you know, when you get out to the beach, you just hear the waves, especially in the morning when it's not like full yet. That's like my, that's like my happy place where the Lord's like, Hey, look what I did. I made this. Um, yes. And I love it. It's so peaceful. So I love the mountains, but I'm going to, I'm gonna go with the beach.
1: Imagine on the beach. Okay. You have a really long flight by yourself. How do you spend your time? Oh, Sleeping. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I love, especially if I'm on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can get an extra nap. I'm all about it. Um, otherwise, I do really, I think probably over the last two years, year and a half, I'm super into podcasts. I'd probably be, mm-hmm. if I'm not sleeping, I'd probably be binge listening to some, some podcasts. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Have you flown with your little ones?
2: Oh, not yet. I'm putting oh, no. it off. <laughs> I, I kind of Woo! wish we could because my, my in-laws live like nine hours, eight or eight and a half hours away. And it's like a 10 or 11 hour drive by the time you have two kids and two dogs. So I'd love to fly, but woo, we're, we're kind of yeah. putting it off for the time being.
1: <laughs> woo. It's a fun. Okay. Um, the best thing that bloomed out of COVID or the quarantine in your life, something good. Slowing down. Yeah.
2: I um I have always been like a schedule. I got a busy, busy, busy. Um, Thank you to my dad for instilling that in me. <laughs> Love my dad, but yes, busy, going all the time. And it has just really helped me slow down and like appreciate things and know that like it's not the end of the world if I get somewhere 5 minutes after I wanted to get there. <laughs> like it's not yeah. going to come crashing down. So slowing down has been a huge one. Um and it was really hard. My my little one, my youngest one was, or both of them, I guess, were out of daycare for a while. Mm-hmm. Um which felt chaotic, but then it also, I got to see so many milestones. My, my little one was born and my youngest was born in November of 2019. And so I got almost her, I think her first like 10 months or something, minus the first month or two, um, after maternity leave, I got to see so much of her growth and development that first year that I would have never gotten to see if she had been in daycare the whole time. So that was a, that was a huge kind of blessing in disguise. Yeah. yeah I
1: love it. Okay. in this season of life, where or when do you feel yourself connecting with God the most?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think most anytime I'm in my car by myself, because yeah. I get now that I don't, now that I work from like a home office and I don't have a commute to work anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
2: that is like my time that whether it's listening to a podcast um, to try to grow my faith, I was doing that this morning on my way, to, on my way back from daycare um, or or listening to some worship, like. I think I'm, I've just been really, really into worship here the last year because it is something that calms me. Like it's hard for me when I'm stressed or anxious sometimes to go into prayer and be ready to hear from God. But when I started, even just with one worship song, like there's something different by the end of it than where I started. So that's worship is, is kind of my thing right now.
1: (laughs) I love my time in the car too. I always say like, the moment that I drop my son off and I'm like driving to work, it's like five ten minutes, but it's like silence. Yes, yeah. I can pray or whatever, and I'm like leaving work to pick it. Like it, this is my time. This yes. is yeah. Every day, five to ten minutes. <laughs> yeah,
2: and it's so important like, time.
1: <laughs> yes, yes. So good. Well, thank you so much for being so open and honest and sharing with us. It's such a blessing, Brittany.
2: Yeah, so thank you, Charlie and Erin. I have absolutely loved it, enjoyed it. Um, And thank you guys for inviting me.
0: Yeah, would you close us in prayer, Brittany?
2: I would love to. (sighs) Father God, we just praise you today, Lord. We just um, we would just worship your name and who you are. We thank you for just how big and how great you are. Um, we thank you that even though we can't always understand you, that, God, that is such a great thing because you are too big to fit in our minds. And we just pray that, um, I pray over everyone listening to this conversation today, Lord, that you would just pour into their lives. I pray that you would um, show yourselves to them in a new way, help them to not just know you, but to really experience you and experience your love and your goodness, help them to know that they have purpose in their lives, Father God. That you have a divine plan for them, um, and that it's okay if they don't know what it is right now, because you have such a, a beautiful way of revealing that to us. So, I just pray blessings over um, Charlie and Aaron and all of the listeners, Lord. Um, again, just. Just make yourself known to them, um, help them to experience you, and and bless them in some amazing way today to show them your love and, um, and how close you are to them. We love you so much, and we pray all of these things in your precious holy name. Amen. Amen.
0: Amen. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Intuitive Eating for Christian Women. We are so grateful for you. If you are ready to help us spread this revival to other women who need this anti-diet message. Would you go ahead and visit the podcast website and support us. It's intuitiveeatingforchristianwomen.com/support. There you will find the link to easily leave a testimonial and links and instructions for leaving a podcast review over on Apple Podcasts. We so appreciate your support and your prayers. You are a blessing to us and thank you in advance for helping us spread this revival. We will see you in the next episode.